Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, welcome to Wellspring Solutions, where we try to discuss topics related to emotional and spiritual healing, amongst other things. Yes, and that was my phone that just went off. <laughs> my name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and here at Wellspring Solutions, we're a counseling agency in Wyoming, Pennsylvania. And I'm joined by Kate Byler. Kate, would you introduce yourself, please? Yes, I am now officially a counselor Yay! here. <laughs> yes, I'm no longer an intern. Um, and I just finished up my degree from Jefferson University for community trauma and counseling. And I work with women here, some couples, and a lot of adolescents. Yes. So if you're looking for a great counselor for an adolescent, Kate is taking new clients right now. And we're excited to be able to fill her schedule. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> So, Kate, why don't you introduce the idea of what we're going to talk about here today? So, today our podcast is on anxiety, and we're going to talk about 10 signs or, like, emotions or feelings in your body, really behaviors that might contribute to what anxiety feels like or what it is. And then we're also going to talk about a lot of ways that um, you can practically help your anxiety on a day-to-day basis along with counseling. Um, but we kind of, I kind of thought about this because anxiety in some form is something we all struggle with to a point or have experienced. You might not describe yourself as an anxious person or say you have anxiety as a mental illness, but there's definitely all been seasons in our life where anxiety is real. Definitely. So it's a very common thing for us to deal with anxious clients and, you know, obviously we ourselves, because we are human, Mm -hmm. (laughs) have periods of anxiety. So these are the things that we're going to just kind of describe and come up with solutions for as we're talking. Um, The first one is Um, some physical symptoms for anxiety. Uh, So... To let's let's go for the first ones that almost everyone can can kind of relate to as far as maybe you would describe it as butterflies in your stomach mm-hmm. or your stomach hurting. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you have indigestion problems. All of this gastrointestinal stuff is very 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 common when it comes to anxiety. And surprisingly, a lot of people, if it's not butterflies people don't even equate pain to anxiety but a lot of the times we get people that come in here and talk about it um sometimes if you're talking with kids you might say does it feel like rocks in your stomach or something like that and a lot has to do with feeling anxious right so um for some people they get headaches when Mm -hmm. they're anxious a lot of that is due to the muscle tension of how they're like tensing their jaw or their shoulder muscles so how they're tensing their muscles when they're anxiety when they're anxious creates mm-hmm. headaches, creates um, neck and shoulder pain, back pain. Um, we can also say a lot of people will often feel like this pressure on their chest. Mm-hmm. 
because they have trouble. It just feels like there's a giant weight on their chest. Um, so it's very um, heavy. It's like their chest feels very heavy. Yeah. And that's all anxiety-based. Yeah, there's even um, my sister-in-law, who's a PA, was describing there's an actual term when you feel like you can't swallow. It almost feels like there's a physical thing blocking it in your throat where someone gets so anxious where it feels like there's something hard almost in your throat and you can't swallow and it's actually like a physical condition they have a term for but it's due to anxiety right so um should we talk about treatment of that later after we just describe all of it or do yeah. you talk yeah Let's so we're just going to describe it now get you all worked up yeah and then we'll, <laughs> we'll calm you down <laughs> then we're going to give you solutions later <laughs> okay so the next area would be um aggression um mm-hmm. sometimes we see that more in boys it's i think people don't boys sometimes don't display anxiety um, the way girls do, um, they might literally become more aggressive in their home, and we need to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah, because it's harder in general. I know there is a type of male out there that's not always like this. Right. But in general, it is harder for males to say, I feel anxious right now. It's a lot easier to feel angry, and it's more natural. Right. And to say I feel anxious kind of goes against what our culture teaches men right. anyways, which is a whole other podcast probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they might need to go and do something physical. They mm-hmm. might need to go do a run. They might need to go chop wood if people still do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have to be physical because they can't necessarily feel relaxed. That's their anxiety. And they feel a need to go use physical expression in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another one that a lot of people probably don't talk about is like desires for sex. And this is more so for men, too. Um, it can get a little twisty or off than what sex should really be. Right. So some people use sex as their anxiety medicine, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can really um, become very confusing in a relationship. Right. Um, yeah. So sometimes that's why they have a greater need for sex at that point in time. Yeah. And um, for men, like, again, mainly men struggle with this. You know, those are things you can probably relate to when it comes to if you're not trying to watch pornography or something, that need arises and feels more emergent when you're anxious. Yes. And overwhelmed. <clears throat> um, then we have... Um, a continuum of what we do with food behavior wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On one end of the continuum, people are very uh, binge eat, um, mm-hmm. just eat everything in sight because they're very stirred up emotionally. And then on the other end of the continuum, people are so anxious, they forget to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or it can't. upsets their stomach to <laughs> right. eat. Right. It's just not okay to eat. Yes. So binge eating or not eating at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we have some, oh, impulsiveness. Yes. So that can come in a plethora of ways. One way we see it a lot here is shopping. So using money irresponsibly or um, just going out. And, I mean, you guys heard of the term shopping therapy. So that's not without us not having seen it. 
Um, what other ways do you see impulsiveness? Um, physically being more impulsive. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe people um, have a sudden need to go get a, a piercing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have a sudden need to go get a tattoo that they didn't have before. Right. Or you might even see that um, in actual self um, harm, which mm-hmm. is they cut. Right. Or they hit themselves or um, smack their head into a wall. Um, yeah. That's usually a sign of some kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just need to help that person with their anxiety. Yeah. And sometimes impulsiveness can also look like a life-altering decision in some way. So, like, I think sometimes for teens, I see that them jumping into relationship to relationship is an impulsiveness of a boyfriend or... Uh, a new friend group, I don't know, something, a shift in their relational world that brings new and exciting when they're feeling anxious. Yes, that's true. Um, So obviously people can be more irritable Mm -hmm. during this time, but they can also be more quiet, Yeah. um, more withdrawn because Mm -hmm. they're all in their head obsessing over a situation. So more withdrawn or... um, more obsessive in how they speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe even irrational thinking. Right. Irrational thinking. Sometimes when I think of that with anxiety, it's like equating all your big feelings to what's actually happening when that's not actually happening at all. Exactly. (laughs) Let's Um, describe that like a child (laughs) whose Lego suddenly doesn't work Mm -hmm. and they're having a meltdown. Right. It's not really about that. Right. Um, and all, I think, I don't know if this kind of goes into that, but almost like all or nothing thinking too, some irrational thinking. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of what that would be like. Um, oh, like everyone hates me or like nobody likes me anymore. Right. <laughs> Very all or nothing. That mm-hmm. would be anxiety based, you know, so, um, we might focus more on perfectionism or all or nothing when we are needing to have more feel of sense of control in the situation instead of feeling that anxiety. So we might focus more on the task, a task or a clean house or some type of perfectionism in a paper that you're writing or a project that you're working on mm-hmm. because you're not going to feel anxious if it's perfect. Mm-hmm. If that is visibly perfect. Right. Um, Obviously, with women, we have issues with hormonal changes. Like, we have one good week a month. Yep. (laughs) And the other three weeks, we're dealing with some other type of hormonal fluctuation. Yeah. And that can increase your anxiety. Yeah. So, kind of knowing that can be a little empowering because you can prepare for that too mm-hmm. um, and we just get more also in the cycle of anxiety we get more self hate kind of occurring or stirring up inside of us so kind of like that all or nothing thinking as well like if you if everyone hates you like do you hate yourself like where is it where is that coming from what are you projecting on everyone else that you are actually experiencing within yourself Um, because anxiety is a stressful emotion. Right. And it's a negative emotion. Sure. So maybe I'm feeling really critical of 
um, a spouse or a sibling suddenly. And really, it's about my own anxiety. It's not even about what they're doing or not doing. Well, it could be, but <laughs> but it could be I'm very um, I'm more dramatic in my expression of that criticalness because of my own anxiety. <clears throat> um, so obviously we see it a lot in sleep too. That's like our big trigger yeah. for a lot of people is sleep-related um, patterns. That's the inability to fall asleep, maybe waking up frequently during sleep or waking up mid-sleep and not being able to go back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as much, um, it's not so much sleeping too much. That's more depression-based, I would right, say. Right, right. Um, anxiety kind of keeps us up at night or keeps right. us wired, keeps us worried. Or even um, during sleep, having bad dreams. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, so, so now I think that's our list of all of the things that could, of what anxiety looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's, we're, we're going to talk about like, what do we see as therapists, um, are mm-hmm. good tools for dealing with anxiety. Yeah, because anxiety is one of those things that when, at least for me, when people come and they have it, I, it's one of those things where, like, it's not going to totally be eradicated from your life. But maybe we can work on better ways you can handle it. So it's almost like not a thing at all. Or when it comes up, you have you feel empowered and you know how to handle it. Yeah, because I think that's true for just about anything in mm-hmm. life. If we have a coping strategy, mm-hmm. we can deal with it. Right, because there's going to be suffering in everyone's life. There's going to be hard times and to not feel even a wince of anxiety with who we are and how we're made is almost impossible. So we started off with some practical things like your food intake. (laughs) Um, This is actually really help is really easy to get information now on the internet about this stuff because it's become very much of a thing that people are concerned about is what are we taking in in our food? Um, How healthy foods actually contribute to a lot of our mental health. Yeah, so um, there's just so many different things regarding food and, mm-hmm. and junk food versus healthy green food. We can't go into all of that, nor are we experts on that. But I can say I feel more anxious if I have sugar mm-hmm. uh, and or a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Or like um, once in a blue moon, if I try to eat, like, say, candy before I try to lay down at night I recognize now that I'm more fidgety mm-hmm. and have greater difficulty falling asleep um, because I'm I'm agitated by the sugar yeah and I think food is if you're listening to this and you know yourself to be a highly sensitive person food is a really big thing to get under control for anxiety I know from experience that when I I cut out a lot of most processed food in my diet and I think more clearly my head doesn't feel as foggy and I don't feel as like sluggish, which definitely takes away from any anxiety or depression. Right. Um, along with food, we would say dehydration is very common. <laughs> um, so bad at hydration. <laughs> I'm bad at it too. I'm really bad. I, 
at the end, by the end of the week, I'm like, I'm really dehydrated, <laughs> but that can really increase your um, anxiety level mm-hmm. and emotional, you know, just emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I try to take a certain number of waters with me a day. Right. So I'm drinking all of that per day, but um, dehydration in addition to food. Mm-hmm. Um. And we also, again, talking about getting enough sleep. Um, And so we could even probably one day do a podcast just on sleep in general, because there's so many things you can do around sleep to help or just get in a routine at night. I know one thing that helps a lot of my clients is just training your body to know your routine at night. So your brain is knowing it's slowing down and getting ready for sleep because you're your brain definitely works in habitual math, like ways. It is. It's kind of like uh, the cars at Hershey track. It's on a track (laughs) (laughs) and you need to stay on that track in order for it to ride smoothly. Mm -hmm. So sleep is not going to be smooth when you constantly are changing up how you're driving your car. (laughs) Right. Um, So definitely sleep exercise. Mm, Yes. We cannot say enough about the physical benefits of exercise and reducing anxiety, I say to my clients, go run, go take a power walk, go do something in which you get your heart rate up for at least 20 minutes Mm -hmm. because that is going to bring down your anxiety super fast. Yes, and you feel really good after it and it doesn't have to be this really exhausting thing (laughs) it does not just fast power walk around your neighborhood and the idea being is when you exercise the endorphins and serotonin that are released into your body are equal to that of an anti-anxiety pill you're basically giving yourself a xanax (laughs) right if you are choosing to do that workout Mm um we also feel like it's very important to recognize the idea that um, you need therapies lots of times <laughs> yeah. to really work through why are you anxious? Because if you've grown up in an environment, sometimes you don't recognize the toxicity of your environment. Mm-hmm. And the therapeutic process, which is why we do these podcasts to explain why it's so, is just to help you understand what is going on in your family system and right. how it's creating anxiety and or how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. What are the boundaries you need to set? What are the things you need to do? What, how, who are the people you need to limit interaction with? Sure. Yeah, and you don't really find that out until maybe someone from the outside world is telling you, oh, that's not normal, or (laughs) that way of thinking isn't true, you know, and it's all, like, I think in a lot of ways we've all been there to a point, it's just some homes we've grown up to are more severe in it than others. It's true, and it sometimes can be so subtle that you just don't recognize where the anxiety is coming from and then mm-hmm. we'll say yes but this and you're like what <laughs> and you have this aha moment and you begin to be able to work your way out of being that anxious person as a result of being in therapy right um we have done here learning to relax your body so that's a pretty a thing you can do on your own at night making it a part of your routine to fall asleep mm-hmm. 
Um, that could be a breathing exercise. That can be muscle relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, grounding. So just noticing the things in your room, uh, how something feels to just train your mind to not focus in on solely just the anxious thoughts. Right. So we teach people be, well, I teach people behavioral relaxation training. You have learned a different method in your, Mm -hmm. in your education. Um, And we teach people how to breathe. (laughs) We teach people how to relax their muscles. Mm -hmm. And these are things that we use in our personal lives to, just keep ourselves being able to go to sleep or all of these. These are things that really can reduce your anxiety because if you breathe correctly mm-hmm. and you relax your muscles correctly, you can literally bring your heart rate down to 50% of what it was. Right. If you don't do these things and you continue to breathe as you are and not relax, you're going to keep yourself at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, something like that would just be a, a- appropriate relaxing form of yoga yes so like go with that let's that go involves, with relaxing yoga right not the other kind yeah <laughs> there's multiple kinds kind. <laughs> yeah the kind where you're breathing while you're doing everything and also like being active i mean yoga is great because you could even do that outside and get your vitamin d and your exercise all in one all in one um <laughs> uh, right so <clears throat> We also think that it's just important to understand that we as therapists can understand that sometimes the amount of trauma that people are currently in or have been in requires them to have medication Mm -hmm. because their brain chemistry has literally changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, sometimes... I always liked how we've said, like, sometimes the medication is a crutch until you're able to, like, really feel in control or confident in how you handle anxiety. But even if you don't get off of it, we have people that come here that medication works great for them. And it just is a part of their routine. It's like just uh, aid out there for people. Um, It doesn't make it any better or worse. Some people do great on it. Some people don't. But it's worth a try if the anxiety is constantly getting in the way of your everyday life. Yes. Um, So please do not dismiss the need that sometimes huge traumas create brain chemistry issues. And Mm -hmm. it's just important to give yourself what you need because you wouldn't be walking around on a broken leg. Right. You You need to create new neural pathways. And that takes a lot of change. And sometimes you just need that extra help to get there. Because it's possible, but if you don't have to struggle as hard, that's where medication can really help training those new neural pathways. Right. Um, We also think it's um, really important to watch who you're hanging out with. (laughs) Um, Because if if you're hanging out with a lot of anxious people or very negative people, you're going to leave that environment being more like that environment. Yep. And um, people that want the best for you or communicate in healthy ways, like all of that stuff goes into account for your anxiety Um, and being surrounded by a solid community. If you don't feel like you have that, 
that should be something to go look for <laughs> because a good community does a lot for anxious people. It's true. It's true. And so we just need to be around people who are building us up, edifying us, creating laughter. That's the whole purpose of, of healthy relationships is mm-hmm. that we are around these people that and are built up by them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> another thing on our list is alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, people need it. Extroverts and introverts. Yes. <laughs> Extroverts sometimes think they don't. Mm-hmm. But they really do. <laughs> yeah, because when you're alone, you get to think, you get to process, um, you get time to yourself, you get to recover, um, constantly pushing our socialism, <laughs> socialistic ways. And Sorry, I'm trying to find the word for social health, but it's not a thing. <laughs> trying to be social can get exhausting. And then you don't really know what is what. Right. I found that for myself. If I keep being social and social, I kind of lose myself until I get the point to be alone and calm myself down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am an extrovert. So um, I was just explaining to someone recently, if I have a long series of days in which I am with people constantly and dealing with it, by the time I'm done, maybe a large function, my brain is still firing all over the place (laughs) and it can take a while for me to process out all those thoughts so while it doesn't look like anxiety it can definitely be anxiety because my brain is not able to shut down right and I'm an introvert so once I have like four hours of socializing (laughs) I feel that way but um yeah so So maybe for extroverts is making sure you get alone time and for introverts is making sure we go see people. (laughs) Yes, because both of them are anxiety reducers. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have the whole idea of self-care. Yeah, that's probably the whole podcast, too. (laughs) We have a lot of podcast ideas now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, self-care. So Massage. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, pet, pets, pet therapy, <laughs> um, even just hygiene, <laughs> like keeping things clean and organized, not to the point where things need to be perfect. But I mean, when you are able to have a clean space, it feels like a clear space to think and right. relax in. You want your home to be a relaxing place. Right. <clears throat> so, um, we can't say enough. If you don't have the ability to have a pet, go volunteer at the Humane Society. And yeah. Go walk a pet and pet a pet. Go to a friend's house that has a pet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. People do that. <laughs> so uh, that can be part of reducing your anxiety. Um, we want to talk about, obviously, being outside and being in the sun is very important. Vitamin D is good for your emotional regulation. Yes. So when it's sunny, go out. Right. And just stand in it if you don't want to walk or do anything yes. else. It's so important to get that um, into you. I have friends that live in Alaska, and whenever it is sunny, everyone goes out, no matter how cold it is. Yeah. Because they have such high depression rates and anxiety rates due to lack of sun that they understand that the second it's out, they need to be in it. Yep. It's important. Um, We also have healthy work boundaries, healthy healthy work family boundaries. 
So if you have a demanding job or a really busy job, how do you separate? Are you separating that from work and home? Um, I know some jobs you have to work from home or bring work home with you. But if that is you, what does it look like to create maybe a structured schedule then around what do you do at home and when when are you not working at home and following that because um having a job where you feel like you are quote unquote on call 24 7 there's no way you're not anxious or you're not you're you're there's no way you're relaxing fully it's true it's true um so you don't do work on vacations Mm -hmm. you don't do work after a certain hour at night Turn your work phone off after a certain hour at night. Right. Um, these are the things that you really have to do to keep your anxiety down because if you don't allow yourself to set boundaries, your anxiety will be high. Yeah. And it's, though you're not enjoying people and people aren't really enjoying you, to be honest. <laughs> like, if I'm being frank. Um, and... It's it's one of those things where your family will feel the effects of that, too. Sure. So, um, you know, anxiety, people in our families can be anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. So we have to have boundaries on how long we're there. Right. How long we're with these people. Um, friends can be anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to put boundaries on how long we're with people. <laughs> Time limits. <laughs> um, even how much we participate in activities that we love, even oh, yeah. if it's things like church mm-hmm. or whatever. You have to look at your schedule and say, how much can I do without this creating anxiety mm-hmm. in my life? Right, because there's a point where you accept too much and then you're not even useful <laughs> in any of those things because it's too it's too much or you're too anxious and no one's getting, you know, everything you could be offering them. And let's just drop the giant bomb. We need to have boundaries on how much electronics we're using. Yes. <laughs> because the electronics, whatever they are, are stimulating our brain. Mm-hmm. And we usually, if, if, if it's an extended amount of time during the day, I know for myself, I usually feel worse. <laughs> When I'm like, oh, just one episode, and then it's like not, definitely not one episode. Um, but we get like sucked in because for a while it does numb, and it feels it feels good in the moment, but that's not it's not solving or helping anything. Right. So let's say all of these things can numb it mm-hmm. temporarily, but in the end, they can actually create anxiety eating candy before right. I go to bed. Mm-hmm. While it numbs temporarily, in the end, it's going to create problems. Same thing with my electronics. If I'm mm-hmm. using my electronics, while it's numbing temporarily, it could also create anxiety mm-hmm. inside of me. Right. And then our final one is um, kind of some of the more serious one uh, is avoid <laughs> drug or alcohol abuse. And we say that because a lot of people are under the impression that alcohol and drugs makes them feel better. Well, in in actuality, alcohol is a stimulant. Most people think it's a depressant. I mean, it's a depressant, but it's a, it makes you feel more anxious. It just triggers those heart rate, the brain, it triggers all of it. So while you're in the middle of drinking a glass of wine, it probably feels relaxing because of what you're doing in itself. But after the fact, once the alcohol is actually in your system, 
it's going to make you feel more anxious. Right. And so a lot of anxious people think by drinking that glass of wine, they're relaxing. Mm -hmm. But just like the candy bar, it's a temporary relaxation when in fact it's actually a stimulant. Right. So it's going to increase your anxiety and the long-term effect on your body is increasing it just by the dehydration and the chemical compounds of how it's impacting your brain. Yes. And for women, um, our hormones change. Um, I learned this in my addictions class that we actually take in three times more the alcohol than men. And that's why they say like women are lightweights. Well, really our hormones The estrogen in our body is what changes that chemical. So to us having a glass of wine, we're getting three times the amount more alcohol. I think it's three to six or something. Wow, I just learned something. Yeah, so that's that's why women, they say women are lightweights or whatever, but really we just are, actually, no, I'm just kidding. We're just taking more alcohol than (laughs) most of the men. Right. um, And People have, have drank alcohol before they go to bed. I'm sure you've waken up in the middle of the night because that it also causes that restless sleep and right. uh, movement. So this is the thing that probably most people don't understand is increasing their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because I just know so many people with anxiety who take that glass of wine, mm-hmm. but it's and they ha- and it's okay to have a glass. I'm not right, saying right. we're <laughs> not saying you're not allowed to have drink alcohol, right. but you need to put limits and understand of mm-hmm. how this is going to affect your anxiety later that night, tomorrow. Right. It, you think it's a depressant, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you're definitely if you're not drinking any water during the day, like everything adds up in this department. If you're if you're gonna choose to drink, if you do choose to drink, um, and then of course. It's the same with cigarettes or uh, marijuana or drugs. It only increases the anxiety. <laughs> right. So talk about that for a minute. Um, well, if someone is used to smoking marijuana a lot and then they decide not to for a week or a couple of days, it's not um, the physical symptoms of withdrawal someone would really get from marijuana. It's more being agitated and anxious and short, um, not being able to enjoy their day. They're, they just feel like they need that relaxation of um, smoking to actually be at peace. When So in the long term, it's really not doing much. Right. It becomes a cycle um, for a lot of people. Now, we're not saying that there are not people who have medical issues that don't yes. benefit from CBT oil CBD. or CBD. Sorry. <laughs> Um, any of those things. We're not saying that. Right. We're just saying you need to be aware if you struggle with anxiety of of what the limitations are so you can be aware of that. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully we did not make you more anxious and make <laughs> you more obsessive about your anxiety and reducing it. You know, our big thing as therapists is always to empower people to understand what's going on in the physical, the emotional. You know, I'm going to say spiritually for a lot of people, prayer and meditation is very Mm -hmm. beneficial. Yep. 
And so we didn't talk about that, but that's something that a lot of people really benefit from is listening to music, Mm -hmm. whether it's um, worship music or regular music, that that can be a relaxant because our brain is being stimulated somewhere else. So as a therapist, we're always looking for ways to empower people and help them understand what's going on with their body, soul, and spirit. Because we really encourage you to find a therapist. If you're struggling with anxiety, there might be things that you just haven't even looked at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of sometimes doing these podcasts is to let people know that these are normal things people struggle with. So even if you know, you binge eat or you don't eat or you didn't or you thought alcohol was helping you and now you realize, oh, I do feel anxious after. These are all normal things that we all do or didn't know about until we just have someone let us know. And then finding a therapist is that safe attachment where you can work on it together. And it doesn't have to be a heavy anxiety inducing thing. Right. (laughs) It should be helpful and exciting. Definitely. All right, so go and be not anxious today. Go stand out in the sun. Go relax. Do the, some of the things that we talked about um, just because we just we know how much anxiety is just plaguing the world right now. Yeah. Um, have a great day. If you're interested in finding out more about Wellspring Solutions, about Kate and myself, go on to our website, wellspringsolutions.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.